Do you know what people see when they Google you? Search engines don't always get it right. And when they're wrong, it's your reputation on the line. So what do you do when you don't agree with your search results? Call Reputation Defender at 855-432-4905. Reputation Defender is one of the most trusted names in online reputation repair. We have over a decade of experience in fixing people's search results, and we can help you too. Using cutting-edge approaches, Reputation Defender pushes unflattering information down to lower pages of your search results, where few people ever look. We also promote the good stuff so that it rises to the top, letting you put your best foot forward. Your good name is too valuable to leave to the whims of a Google algorithm. You owe it to yourself to take control with Reputation Defender. Visit www.reputationdefender.com or call 855-432-4905 for free advice on your situation. That's 855-432-4905. Hi there, this is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo. Yep, it is a, another weekend. We are approach, quickly, quickly approaching St. Patrick's Day. I guess for certain segments of society, this is a benchmark St. Patrick's Day, especially for the Catholics out there. Um, especially Irish Catholics. The, I remember in Philadelphia that people would give up drinking for Lent. Um, that was never a thing I would consider when I was drinking. Now I give up. People say, what are you giving up? I say, I don't drink anymore, so I don't have to give up anything anymore. But with the... It's funny with their, the people, they were serious Catholics and they're... Um, purposely avoiding alcohol or, you know, doing that sacrifice for it. And then what happens? They say, well, it's St. Patrick's Day. I got to drink during St. Patrick's Day. Why, why do you have to drink during St. Patrick's Day? I never understood how that became a thing. Patriot Saint of Ireland. There was no, from the small stories that you have that he drove all the snakes out of Ireland, not that there were a lot of snakes in Ireland because reptiles don't really like, you know, cold-blooded animals do not like to live in the damp, cold climates. So he may have drove out some pet snakes or invasive iguanas like down here. If if St. Patrick came back and drove out all the snakes and iguanas out of the keys, that would be a miracle. It'd also be an ecological disaster because then a bunch of whole other insects, rodents, and stuff that would probably rise up in the imbalance, right? But there was never a thing that St. Patrick converted regular beer into green beer. Or back, I, I guess, when... The guy who was the Archbishop, I guess the Archbishop or Cardinal, I guess I should have did a little more study. He's being Irish-American, but he was a Roman citizen. He was kidnapped from Britain, brought to Ireland, and ended up becoming the patron saint, but there was rarely 
there was no parades, I imagine. There was no, you never hear any stories about him drinking. Or going out and meeting a girl named Colleen at a party. And dancing with her little and then end up going home with her. And then losing his car. Because he didn't remember which place in, you know, he had to start working. I'm talking about myself. But he had to start working concentric circles around the girl's apartment to come and find where he parked his car. That was a, that's that was the St. Patrick's Day tradition for me. But they would shoe alcohol for forty two days, say six weeks and for Lent, and then when St. Patrick's Day go out and drink. I always had this thing. I never I didn't think it was a really good promo for Irish culture. <clears throat> Excuse me. That in all Brady Arp you gotta go out based. And then have drinks named like the Irish car bomb, taking the most negative aspect or stereotype about your culture and applying it to a drink and have a bunch of people that, hey, I'll have an Irish car bomb. You bu- Irish really know how to b- blow things up, innocent people and stuff like that. But that's it. Well, the, and the other beef and cabbage, Irish culture meetings, like on that day, you're going to have corned beef and cabbage. If corned beef and cabbage were so great, You'd find a restaurant, a chain restaurant, say, hey, listen, we do have corned beef and cabbage. Now, corned beef, it's funny. Corned beef is a staple of food for the Irish and the Jewish. You got the, you got the Reuben, you know, corned beef and on rye and all that stuff. That's, that's the one thing that the Jewish and the Irish people share. But I didn't want to start out the show about that. Also, it's interesting with St. Patrick's Day rolling around to how America has an affinity for that, you know, celebrating that. It's along with Senko de Mayo, it seems to be really amping up a bit too, May 5th, that we still have a soft spot in our heart for the royal family of Great Britain, even though it's been almost 250 years since our formal declaration of separation. Where the United States is like one of those fucking divorce couples where the person that got divorced says, well, you know, I was married to this guy. He was kind of a douchebag, but he was fun. He was so handsome. He was so strong. You know, stuff like really, you're really kind of admiring your ex and forgetting that he would come home drunk and piss in the sock drawer and spend all your money. But you remember the good stuff about him. And that's kind of like, it always seems that's kind of we kind of still worship the monarchy if you if someone says well hell you know i wonder if they ever approached them again formally if someone from Britain said we understand that we got separated and 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 you know i guess it was an amicable divorce because we are friends now right yeah yeah we're friends what do you think about putting our royalty on your money and let us be your head of state 
nope, 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 nope. The U.S. would go, nope, nope, we're not going back to that again. We didn't leave any devices for that because we have the, our chief executive has the powers of head of state and head of government in one. And in Britain, their head of state is the monarch, which is Queen Elizabeth right now, the second. And their head of government is the prime minister. They separated those two. So they're a constitutional monarchy and we are a republic. So we don't have those. Now we could, it wouldn't be hard. I mean, yeah, I guess it would be hard. You'd need to have what, three quarters of the states or two thirds of the states' houses to invoke that. But we still, with Oprah having her interview with Harry and Meghan, it's like all over, all over the news. Whenever something happens, when back when Diana got married to Charles, it was an all-day event here. Whenever someone has a wedding, there's a whole bunch of bars and ladies' groups put on their hats and have tea parties and shit like that. It really is like that worshiping of your former ex or your ex you know it's every it was almost like one night the US got really drunk and would call up Great Britain or vice versa and call up the Queen and say hey remember that thing that happened in 1970 1776 well maybe was I was a bit hasty and you know you were we, we were good together weren't we we were really good I was thinking about those old times we had together fighting the French oh and the Puritans remember that we burned some witches back then but that was pretty much American colonist thing but they, they're just fond memories. You know, we'd be drunk dialing each other back and forth. And then getting together for the, the sake of the kids. For the big, for the big events. Right? World War One and World War Two. Ah, we'll give it a go for the family. We'll tie it together. Had a joint command of our armed forces. And then after World War Two with NATO... Oh, we'll just, and we'll bring the rest of the family in. Europe, okay. Your, your Britain's new family was Europe, and we decided, that, okay, we'll go in there and we'll, we'll, be, we'll be the daddy. Because in NATO, U.S. was the daddy. And Britain would share the mommy things. Like, NATO was a plural marriage. With the U.S. being the husband and with France and England being the two separate wives. And then France left for a while and then came back. Then the U.S. left for a while under Trump and started coming back. But after U.S. left, Britain kind of distanced itself a little. Now they're back. That's interesting. I don't know why, as a Keys bartender, I mention it, but every time I run into a British tourist, stuff like that, we always kind of... There's always a point where we talk about the royal family. And they don't make a big deal about it. 
It seems like it's ubiquitous over there. The royal family is just one of those things. It's like there's a sun in the sky and there's always a, a queen in the, in the throne or a king. It's not a big deal. They don't think about it as much. Some people think about it a lot. And eventually they'll decide. Every couple of years they decide, well, it costs us more than we gain from it. You know, in entertainment value, tourism, uh, diplomacy, whatever it is. Well, besides with the St. Patrick's Day thing rolling around, which I'd be funny to see that British royal family celebrating St. Patrick's Day because the problems they had with the Irish, the IRA and all that stuff. But that was almost a year ago with the, uh, the COVID thing started out, right? I mean, it started out September, October over in China. And then we, you know, in October, November, we started hearing whispers of it. And then December, January, it was making its way to different countries, Italy, Korea, and uh, the Northwestern part of the United States, Washington State. And I'm not going to go over the details of it, things like that, but it's been a year. And I remember St. Patrick's Day distinctly because we it just over weeks, over a matter of weeks, it went from a minor inconvenience to it, this is serious. And everyone thought it was serious because the federal government and the state government here in Florida, which is not, you know, they're one of the ones that, kind of opening up now but they at the time they were serious about it because right around that time they started instituting restrictions and we still had tourists down here but it was kind of slowing down it wasn't ramping up it wasn't on the upswing it was kind of like petering out the level of tourism and we got to maybe 40 50 percent and then things started closing down we started getting restrictions. Uh, it wasn't much longer. It was less than a week later, I think, when they started doing the uh, only takeout. Takeout and delivery. And we're wrapping our heads around, what the fuck's going on here? What are we going to do? How long is this going to be? We thought, at the time, it's hard to put ourselves back in that state of mind. But is this... I'm... I never went through anything like this. I really never experienced it. And I'm sure that's the same experience for other people. I thought it would be a couple weeks. I I thought for a second if we stopped, everyone stopped touching each other and stopped spreading it. Two, three, four weeks at the most. But things follow quickly in succession. Restaurant closures... Then here in Monroe County, the uh, checkpoints. So there were only visitors. And then, you know, you see the, the, how quickly the supermarkets, you know, no toilet paper, no tissues, no paper towels, no chicken, no beef, no milk, no dairy. Every, so, I mean, you started seeing canned meats disappear. And you saw how weak and how fragile our supply chain was. Or maybe that was just demand, right? But we didn't know at the time. We was going, what the hell's going on with toilet paper? 
or people sh- literally shitting themselves. We're shitting ourselves out of a toilet paper. I guess with all that cheese and stuff like that, you're going to need a lot more toilet paper because you don't have the roughage. Should have been vegetables if you ate a lot of, you know, celery and and fibrous items, make some whole wheat. You wouldn't have had that problem. I I did notice. I finally got in my head. I, I didn't consider it before. How much more toilet paper a household with women in my life uses compared to a household without women. Meaning it was just me. Used to be when there was nine rolls of toilet paper, if I ever bought nine rolls of toilet paper, as a single man, I think I never bought over a six-pack of toilet paper. Because I look at a six-pack and I say, well, that's maybe six months. You know, or you can't buy loose rolls. I'm saying, who does people to buy loose rolls of toilet paper and stuff like that? I guess do people go camping and stuff like that. They have one roll of toilet paper. But I would buy, actually, I'm one of the guys that would have bought buy one roll or two rolls of toilet paper. I'm thinking, I'm good for the spring. But if I came home with two rolls of toilet paper, my wife would be looking at me like, if I came home, someone said, hey, I went out and I grabbed these four potato chips. I got an extra potato chip for us. You know, what, what's the use of two toilet? Yeah, a, a nine roll pack and says, well, we're good for the weekend. <laughs> not, not the year. So yeah, that's a different one. But when it comes to food, on the flip side, when it comes to food, like meat, recently, uh, you know, what well, was a couple of years ago, my daughter switched from being a meat eater to just uh, seafood and, and veg, uh, you know, vegetables and non, she's a non-meat eater. Land animal eater, I guess you'd call it. No birds, no, nothing. And she stuck to it. You know, in a couple months, it'll be two years. I'm really proud of her for a 14-year-old. That's awesome, you know. It's a commitment level. But a, a month ago, I was in the supermarket, and I drove I drove by. I pushed my cart past the, uh, and this is the one here in, in Key Largo, and they had this special section for meat. Whenever they have extra meat, they put on special, and it was it's like five dollars a pound for a porterhouse, or some crazy price. But there were a four or five inch thick porterhouse. No lie, maybe five inches. It's like some apprentice at a butcher shop just went and said, "Ah, oh, cut it, cut it thick." And they go, "Well, I said thick. I didn't say you know for a family of ten. Yeah, there were five inch." Slices, and it were heavy, and and it was only twenty. It, it was twenty dollars, where normally it would be fifty. And I'm like, how in the hell is this so cheap? A porterhouse, and if I went out, it would have been one of those porterhouses that would have been a contest winner. Meaning, if you're at a steakhouse and they said this, if you eat this steak, if you eat this whole steak, your whole meal's free. Knowing that no human could eat all that meat. And that's the truth. It couldn't. And I bought it and I realized, hey, 
that I was eating that for three days. You know, not always a thick steak to thick steak. But what, what I'm, the point I'm driving at is that food-wise, I go through a lot more food than they do. Even though I'm pretty slender right now. So we had all these things going on with COVID. It was shutting down. We had that nine weeks kind of shut down the, the restaurant. We thought, I thought it was going to be three, four weeks. And, and, and in my mind, it was still, at, in the back of my mind, it was four weeks. In the front of my mind, I think it's two weeks because I had a simplistic view of viral transmission. Meaning, as long as people are out in two weeks, you know, two weeks, you don't get it, and then it stops. Well, that's not true. There's an incubation period. It's time people have it, and it's shedding, shedding the virus. So it was the cycles are all different, and then people are getting sick, not getting sick, and spreading, da, da, da. yeah. All those things. And for my family, which we relatively, I guess we survived it successfully because we didn't, we got into a couple disagreements, if that. But generally, we got along really well. The teenager was kind of antsy. Luckily, she had contact with her friends. They were nearby. It must it must really suck in even more rural areas than where we're from. But we had that. We had bike rides. We had board games. We had a couple months before had purchased a smart television, brand new smart television. I got it hooked up to all the streaming services, luckily beforehand. So we were ready for that. Did some reading. We had to set up the... Uh, School, online school, we did that. And we did a lot of baking and cooking together. We learned how to make some key lime pies. I made some blueberry pie and all this different stuff. Angel cake and banana bread. But it was uh, family. And we had each other. And we, every so often, we would see people out, not together. You know, we need to... We'd see them in, at the park, at these places, and we could talk to them, you know, covered up. But then we thought about all the people that didn't have other people, and they socialized outside of their house with people. They lived alone, and they belonged to groups, or they went to groups like they may have hung out. There's people that just hung out in bars, people that belong to sports leagues, church groups, uh, volunteer groups, service um, organizations, and work. You know, sometimes people's primary socialization place is work and what to do after. But all those things, when they started shutting down, and they started, people started doing remote. There's some people that didn't do remote. Obviously, people that worked in sanitation, uh, health, all the things, retail. They were out and about. They got to socialize. But they were socializing. It was been kind of a stressful environment. And I remember seeing those people stocking at the supermarket. When we shut down, they shut down the stretch. Part of the reason, besides halting viral transmission, and because the counties north of us, 
of Monroe County, which is the Florida Keys, had a really red-hot transmission levels at that time. Miami-Dade and Broward County, directly north of us, they were off the hook. That one of the highest places after New York uh, City. That's where. So they got covered. And also part of it, you may not admit, but there was a concern that our supply chain being weak and not having enough supplies, that there were people traveling down the stretch to get to our stores. And I think especially the upper keys started seeing that, that our shelves were empty. Our shelves were empty for the first week or two. I mean, I guess we had enough frozen food and stuff like that in our, our fridge, but it was really hard to get a hold of protein. I really didn't need it, so we we were doing tuna and macaroni and cheese and stuff like that, but it was, you know, it was hard to get a hold of cheese for a little while. And besides the toilet paper and the paper towels and milk. So we we didn't know that the hoarding was going around. There was a story at one point that at the local dollar store, I think it's called, yeah, the local dollar store, they got a pallet of paper goods. Now I'm going to say it's toilet paper or paper towels. And someone just bought the whole pallet. Which I don't know there may not have been rules in place, and they just say, hey, listen, when a pallet comes in, can you tell me? I'll just buy the whole thing. And I guess the manager of the store is thinking, oh, wow, I just sell out my thing right then. Uh, you know, they've got the volume. They sell it out. They don't have to stock it. Someone comes in, and they can just order another. I mean, in retrospect, what they were doing at the time wasn't wrong. But when you're thinking that the locals didn't have an opportunity for it, and someone was buying a whole bulk, if, if it actually happened, but because we know just a small, small details get blown out of proportion. So that, that's what people were dealing with. And there's a point I'm driving at right here. Because it's a year. And we're coming up on St. Patrick's Day again. And people are, are starting to come out. We've got 10% of the U.S. population is fully vaccinated. And there's another, they saying within two weeks we'll probably get to, because when I say fully vaccinated, there's a whole bunch of people also that there's maybe another 50,000 to have one vaccine shot. And they're getting those daily. And we're amping up past two, two and a half million. So a day in administering the vaccine. So within a week or two, it could end up being two weeks could be 20%. The end of March, we could be at, you know, 20, 25, 30%. And then we, we could get up to 50% by the time June, June rolls around. And then there's a whole bunch of people that won't get it, right? They're still worrying, oh, you know. I think there's more of a monkey see, monkey do with all these people getting it. And then they realize they're out about doing it. And then there's going to be some people say, I'm not going to get it. And then they get a friend to get sick who chose not to get it. And that'll probably happen. But So it's opening up. Going to see the transmissions levels, the infection levels dropping. And people are coming out and they haven't really interacted. The people that were inside that whole time. There were the, the people that are out now 
there are several levels of people. And I work in that business and I know it's been, I'm holding two contradictory ideas in my head. One contradictory idea is a restaurant is a highly susceptible place for the spread of the viral. Number two, I got to work in a restaurant in order to make money and support my family. And I need to have customers in order to do that. And that's the two. I think that's a combination. The second one's a combination. But that's the way it is. Because the restaurant being open, not having any customers, doesn't work. So in order for me to make enough money and stuff like that, it has to be busy. And if it's busy, it's going to be crowded. And if it's crowded, it's going to be a dangerous place to be. Now, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm concerned about the transmission that we'll have and people getting sick. But there are adults now. No one's forcing them to do that. And I choose to work. I, 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 even, if, even if they were giving, I'd have to shut down. Even if they were giving me exact amount of money, unemployment, I'd find the value of work and going out, of, out to work more beneficial to me than just the idea of getting money. There's value, valuing, there's a value for me in doing a good day's work and interacting with people. I enjoy it. But there's some people, obviously, when they go out, that several levels of people, they, they go out and they don't care. They don't, they don't consider it. Let's say they don't care. Um, I'll, I'll try to say, they're, they're not considering that it's a hazard. They don't believe it's a hazard. And they're not doing it on purpose. And I assume they're not doing it on purpose either. They're just, um, and I'm not calling them willfully ignorant. They just choose not to accept those facts, just like people don't accept evolution or around Earth or anything like that. And then there's people that I'm going out because my partner wants to go out and I want to part of a relationship and we're under a lot of strain, so we got to go out. Right? And then there's people that say, I got to go out because I have to go out. I believe it's dangerous. But I have no other way to interact with people and it's driving me nuts. I go go out and they, they're they concerned about, they're, they're upset when they see people coming without masks and things like that. And um, I mean, I have to say, if you have to go out, you might have to swallow that instinct that you're going to get very angry at someone just because they're not following the protocols. Just the way it is. I mean, I got to accept that too. And I don't know why I get upset about it because I like the new studies that are coming out now. Here I'm putting, a, as we speak, I'm putting hand sanitizer on as I'm talking about it because of my reaction to it. I don't want to pass it on to someone. But supposedly with Pfizer, you don't pick up, when we have it, you don't carry enough viral load to be able to pass it on. Preliminary studies, so I'm not going to say it. Preliminary studies. But that for I was never super fearful because of my health condition, even though I'm older. I'm 57, I'll be 58. I consider my fitness level, this is going to sound cocky, in, the, in my 30s, a healthy 30-year-old. Because I don't drink, I don't smoke, I work out. My BMI is well under 30. I'm not ashamed of being heavy. No one, no one gets heavy and decides, it's, well, I'm not going to fuck it. I don't care if I get a, 
viral. I'm, I'm a higher risk. They didn't do that with that intention. I realized that. I didn't go and drink. This is where I commiserate you. I did not drink in, with the intention of being a drunk. That was not my intention. So I immediately can identify with you. I can identify with the drug addict. and identify. I mean, I know it's different for all of it, but my intention was not to do that. And I know your intention is not to do that. And I don't, I don't believe in shaming people for that. I had this discussion with people last night at the bar. Uh, they were very, very uh, two nice gentlemen. I'm just saying, listen, no one intends. Oh, they can. You can intend to do harm to yourself. Normally, the harm is quick. It's quick. You know, the suicide. The, the the things you do thoughtlessly because you're. Depression. Depression is one of these things. No one goes out of their way and says, I'm, I don't think that they're happy about being depressed. That's actually an antithesis of that, right? That's just one of these things they found themselves in a pattern. Depression is a pattern. I got a little bit of it last night because I had this... You know how things are in life. You get a couple things, roadblocks go up here. You always have a couple things in the chain are things you work through in life. The older you get, the more things you do, the more things you got to take care of and you got to be on top of it. And part of it was COVID and people, all these people coming out and they were almost a year. There's people that are still out there. They, they, they're, they still don't feel comfortable. And they're craving interaction, going out and doing the things they used to do. And there's people angry that they have to do things differently. Right? So, but that lack of interaction and lack of interaction with a wide group of people, because we have, I think we have more of a select group right now. We select group of people that people have to go out because they have to work. And there's people that go out because they want to be out. And you're missing all the people that, don't want to be out because they're concerned about that. And they, they have specific, I'm sorry, that door shut because we're having a busy day here and I open up all the windows in, in the house. But the um, once everyone's back out again, we're going to see what toll that really took on it, on the wide group of people. They don't, they're not a year in isolation doesn't leave you unscathed. Some people don't know how to talk to each other. They have a hard time interacting. What have you been doing? I mean, we'd be like, you've been going to bars? You've been dating? You've been doing this? You've been doing that? Blah, 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 blah. You know, but some people haven't. You see it in prisoners. You see it in, uh, you know, prisoners of war, criminals, uh, people in the... You know, very rural areas, they get escalated in the winter and stuff like that. But a whole year, it's really put a, you know, changed people's outlook, how they how they behave, how they react to each other. And it's almost like they're people coming out, maybe we're crazy. Maybe everything, everything's just made us crazy. Just the, the shock to the system. Mask, no mask, politics, 
personal. Everything's taking it so personal. Family members. Uh, whether this is real, this is fake. I mean, how, how are we going to be able to justify some of our behaviors when we go out? You know, there's, it's, it's just crazy. And we're, I guess being in a restaurant, I'm, I'm, a, I'm more attuned to it. But I'm not saying I'm attuned to it being more aware. I'm just, I've just been out there. We've been open since May. A week or two before Memorial Day. And we're as busy as ever. And eventually, the rest of you people are going to get like that. You're going to be out there. And you're going to have to remember how to interact with people. Be thoughtful to them. You know, care. You know, you pretend to care. We're a community here, right? I'm, I'm talking to people that care. And, you know, obviously, if you're listening, I'm not saying you're a caring person listening, but tendency that if you're a hateful person, you're not going to be listening to this stuff. You shouldn't be. I mean, you should do. Maybe you should be if you're a hateful person. You should listen. Maybe kinder words out there. That would be probably the best thing to do for people uh, today. The task I give to the listener, and I'll try to follow this myself, because otherwise I'd be a hypocrite, was be kind to the next person you run into. And don't be kind just to the people. I'm not saying not to be kind to the people that are nice to you. Always be kind to people. But try to seek to be kind and thoughtful to people that are unlike you in thought and deed and behavior. And hold kind thoughts. Because you'll probably feel better after that. And it's been a lot of hard thoughts during this thing. As we're opening up, we're going to have to go socialize again and be friendly again and pretend that we like each other. Or just like each other. Like like the person who's unlike you. And the reason uh, when I come up with who we call an asshole or fucking off, you go, thank you for teaching me how not to behave. I mean, that's a positive thing. You've taught me a lesson today. It may sound a little superior and stuff like that, but we'll see. Hey, listen, if you are in Key Largo, come to Mile Marker 102 Oceanside, the Catch Restaurant. It's open seven days a week for lunch and dinner. Monday through Friday, they have happy hour 3.30 to 5.30 with great happy hour and food specials. Also, if you have your catch and it's filleted, bring it in and they'll cook it for you. And remember, we have a great selection of non-seafood dishes also. So if you go to the catch at mile marker 102 in Key Largo, Oceanside, right off Route 1, tell them the Keys bartender sent you. Thank you very much. And if you like the show, please share it with your friends. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Leave a review. And if you have any questions or anything you would say, send me an email at jim at keysbartender.com. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Listening. Listen. Listen. Listening. Uh, Have a great day.